0: This episode of Oppo is brought to you in part by FreshBooks. Track your time, send beautiful invoices, get paid faster. FreshBooks is incredibly useful for small businesses and freelancers like me. Try it out with a free 30-day trial. Just go to freshbooks.com oppo and enter OPPO in the how did you hear about a section. That's freshbooks.com oppo and enter OPPO.
1: This holiday season, why not be generous to your future self? Open an online investing account with Wealthbar, then sit back and just watch your money grow. Wealth Bar gives you access to the same investment strategies that millionaires use at fees that are less than a half of traditional investments. Wealth Bar has a special offer for Oppo listeners. Open an account online today and get $100 towards growing your money. Visit WealthBar.com slash CanadaLand.
0: From CanadaLand, this is Oppo. <laughs>
1: I'm Jen Gerson, and I'm about to retreat into my holiday Calgary cave, where I will cook, use the Instapot, make gingerbread cookies, and knit.
0: And I'm Justin Ling, parked somewhere outside of Montreal in my car, and I'm going to spend the holidays talking to my family about next steps in terms of any possible run for the Conservative leadership. On this week's show, we finally talk about the final act of Andrew Scheer, one of the worst conservative leaders of all time. Oh, that's harsh. I know, but it's true.
1: Then I talk briefly about Western alienation, and then we have some
0: news. There's some news.
1: News about the most uh, important resignation in Canadian
0: politics this week. (laughs) All that and nothing else. This episode of Oppo is brought to you by FreshBooks. One of the biggest burdens of any freelancer is having more time in the day, week or month to actually get more work done. It actually seems like the day to day tasks of having your own business take up more time than doing the business itself. And the work that you actually want to do gets put on the back burner and that's just natural. This used to happen to me all the time. Accounting tasks are a massive time waster. They may not seem difficult, but they are so time consuming. You have to sort through boxes of receipts and search for old PDFs of your old invoices and look at your massive spreadsheet of all your contracts and what you earned and your taxes. It's just, it, it is just such a nonsense waste of time. Surely, in the year 2019, we can figure out something better. Well, we have. FreshBooks accounting software saves up to 192 hours a year because it makes taking care of your books that much easier. That's 192 hours you can spend on networking, sales calls, training, filing access to information requests, annoying government bureaucrats, or really anything you didn't have time for otherwise. The beauty of FreshBooks is that there's really no learning curve, so you can just jump right in and start organizing your books in a flash. It's also the perfect time of year to start thinking about tax season. I mean, any time of year is the perfect time of year to start thinking about tax season. So start moving your spreadsheets to FreshBooks now, and you'll save even more time when you have to file your taxes. And if that's not incentive enough, we're offering a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks for all of our listeners. Just go to freshbooks.com slash oppo and enter OPPO in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's freshbooks.com slash OPPO and enter oppo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And now for the second and last edition of the shortest lived oppo segment ever, the Andrew Shear Leadership Death Watch. So- Jen, as you may already be aware, Andrew Scheer tendered his resignation as leader of the Conservative Party of Canada last Thursday, surprising nobody that he was leaving, surprising everyone that he did so quite so suddenly after trying to mount a fulsome bid to keep his job.
1: Were you kind of surprised when you heard this news?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, last week's show, I made the prediction that he was going to stay on until the new year. He did this just to fuck with me. I swear to God, Andrew Scheer listens to this show and resigned just despite. Me.
1: You know, we have to have a conversation, Justin, about your predictive qualities in politics.
0: <laughs> hey, listen, I've always said I'm very good at describing what has already happened. I'm not so good at describing what's about to happen.
1: You're really terrible at this. This is like your one fatal flaw, and it's it's very amusing for me.
0: I say what should happen, not what's going to happen.
1: Okay, so let's talk about what did happen.
0: Right, so it, it emerged basically Thursday late morning that Andrew Shear was gonzo. He announced it at a caucus meeting, um, and then suddenly it was breaking all over the place, but there was conflict reports about why exactly he left in the early hour after it happened uh, we saw some reports that john baird's review of the last campaign had landed on andrew Shear's desk and that was the reason only to get contradicted by john baird himself who said i haven't even written the damn thing yet so no that's not why and then this report trickles out that andrew Shear was taking party money to put his kids in private school
1: and then it came out that In fact, he wasn't really just taking party money to put his kids in private school. In fact, the party had agreed in some capacity to pay the difference in the private school tuition between his kids' school in Regina and the kids' school in Ottawa, and that this was part of moving expenses and a a compensation
0: package. But then it came out that, yes, they were paying the differential between the two tuitions, but that the Conservative Fund didn't know anything about it. Of course, the Conservative Fund is the organization that manages the money and is still chaired by Stephen Harper and kind of run by... By the harperites and they were none too happy that andrew Shear was using party money for his kids schooling
1: yeah here's where i think we need to add just a few heaping piles of salt onto this because you know the conservative fund is not like some petty cash box that andrew Shear can just reach into and grab some cash out running away that's not how any of this shit works it's very very common for parties to top up leaders salaries and compensations and all sorts of things i mean a lot of parties do this kind of secretly. They're not necessarily super transparent about it, but it's not uncommon for them to do this. And also, you know, for Sheer to have gotten these expenses written off, it's not like he can write himself a check. He would have needed right. signers at senior levels within the party in order to sign this off. So what I think probably happened here, and this is just speculation on my part, is that The board sort of signed off on some broad, relatively vaguely um, stipulated compensation package to Andrew Scheer. And then Scheer sort of negotiated to have those um, tuition expenses as part of that broader compensation package, which might explain why some of the senior members of the party maybe weren't spe- aware of the specifics, because they wouldn't be aware of the specifics. They wouldn't be aware of the line items.
0: My understanding, that's exactly what happened. The board approved a line item for basically moving expenses that was supposed to cover everything from his transition, because he, as I understand it, his kids stayed behind at Saskatchewan while he was Speaker, and that part of him becoming a leader meant that the whole family moved up to Ottawa, into Stornoway, the official opposition residence. Um, and the director of the Conservative party not the fund approved this basically the subsidy for his kids tuition at private school um, but the board never knew about that one particular spending item and apparently they were quite upset you saw unnamed sources from the conservative fund basically outraged in the media and from my understanding that wasn't just any random person that was either Stephen Harper himself as the unnamed source or someone very close to Stephen Harper that, you know, you don't speak for Stephen Harper's cabal of conservatives without Stephen Harper knowing about it. So there's some interesting palace intrigue here.
1: Okay, but this anger is pretty freaking convenient as well. You know, it sounds to me like what actually happened is that someone at the senior levels of the party decided that Sheer had to go and this was just going to be the cleanest way to take him out. And by releasing this and forcing a kind of um, outrage among the Conservative Party's higher-ups that, that 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 this was just going to be the easiest way to, to, to basically slice him off.
0: But not so. Not That's not what happened. So actually, if unfortunately, I think McLean's got a little bit scooped on this, but Stephen Marr in McLean's uh, wrote, you know, in the hours after this all broke, that he had been inquiring to the Conservative Fund about these payments in the week before this came out. Yeah, and that means somebody leaked it to him. Yeah.
1: Whoever tipped Mar off saw this as an as an opportunity to push Shear out. I'm a little bit skeptical about the degree of outrage here. I think it's all a little bit convenient to get incredibly angry at Sheer. I mean, Shear actually didn't do anything wrong if the executive director signed off on these specific expenses.
0: And so reports started coming out Friday that uh, executive director of the conservative party, Dustin Van Vutt, is also on the way out, uh, seemingly pushed, at least in some small part, because I think he approved the tuition expenses for those private schools. Worth
1: pointing out there that, you know, that's that's the ostensible reason.
0: Yeah, he's also been there. He's been there for for a number of years now. I mean, executive directors of parties don't tend to last that long. So, I mean, he he had a good five year run or so. So eh, not bad.
1: Ultimately, the Conservative Party is a private club and how they manage their own expenses internally is up to them. Any party has the choice to, you know, direct its expenses. Is it sees fit? And the only people who really have a right to be angry about this are potentially Conservative Party donors because it's their money right to their organization. This was this isn't taxpayer money. Um, so that that is the thing is that whether or not the donors themselves are pissed off about this is going to be the the real test.
0: Yeah, that's right, and I I don't want to you know keep kicking a guy when he's down. You know, I think uh, Andrew Shearer was an absolutely disastrously incompetent leader of the Conservative Party.
1: But the actual scandal here is a bit bullshit, is what I'm saying.
0: I don't think Andrew Shearer is a, a necessarily bad politician. I'm I, I'm fine with him being a member of Parliament. I think he's a perfectly nice guy. But I I do think you know somebody at the party at some level should have said. Why the hell are his kids going to private school anyway? It's and, it's, you know, it's a brand a, and
1: an optics problems for sure.
0: Well, and there's a very good public school not far from Stornaway, and you know you kind of have to get to the question of you know during the campaign it came up that Andrew Shear had kind of fervently defended not just private schools but also homeschooling with his school choice tax credit, which gets you back into the question of. You know, Andrew Shear seems so fundamentally uncomfortable with you know things like public education and sex ed. It seems like it just seems like another chapter in the book entitled Andrew Shear doesn't seem super comfortable with the government he wants to run, and that's what I keep coming back to. Is you know, Andrew Shear you know, doesn't seem comfortable with abortion services. He doesn't seem comfortable with you know most. Gay issues. He doesn't seem comfortable with sex ed. At at a certain point, why did he want to be the fucking prime minister? I'm not sure. I get it. And there is famously a Catholic high school system in Ontario that is public and still has to, you know, adhere to the sex ed curriculum. So I don't know. It's a little curious that he wasn't even comfortable with sending his kids to the Catholic. You know, if
1: if you feel the need to separate your kids from public school because those public schools are too worldly for you. You know that's fine you can make that personal decision for yourself and your kids but it does it does you know raise that squicky factor for like okay well why are you why are you trying to be the head of that worldly system now i think it's interesting to talk about his legacy as a leader and then go into to talk about you know his potential replacement because i think i think that the conservatives are now incredibly vulnerable um in ways that i'm not sure that the people who ousted andrew sheer have quite wrapped their head around but i don't know i'm my, my, my predictive capacities are a little better than yours, but not that much better.
0: I actually think kind of the opposite. I think the Conservatives are now in a perfect spot. I mean, if Andrew Shear had clung on till April and got ousted then or had gotten sort of a half-assed mandate from the membership, which was quite likely, um, they would be in a much worse spot. I mean, it would have been a fundamentally disgruntled, unhappy party. The people who had tried to put the knives in his back would have been on the outs. Andrew Shear would have not have had a organizational capacity to sort of run the next campaign. He would have had to rely on on his same group of sycophants to keep things together, and the party would have just been not enthused going into the next campaign, which could come you know at any point in time. Now, at least, they have you know, the, the benefit of time to actually go and pick a leader. Um, I think if they're smart, they would make a, the race short as humanly possible because they cannot afford to have a, another year-and-a-half-long leadership race that brings in every Yahoo and, and whack job. They
1: need to have someone installed like in the next three to six months at, at a max.
0: And I don't think that's actually feasible under their constitution. We'll see. I mean, they they have to have their convention in April. Um, so I, I doubt that they can get a vote together by then, but if they would be very smart to do so. Um, but if not, I think it'll probably be, you know, sometime in the fall, maybe later than that. But they need to put a rush on it and they need to make sure that only serious candidates are applying. They can't afford to have another sort of like who's who of the conservative backbenches running to be leader of this party. It, it led to such a chaotic race last time that they went with Andrew Scheer because he seemed like the least offensive choice.
1: Well, and that that's also why you're seeing um, all of a sudden, everybody talking about Ron Ambrose, Ron Ambrose, Ron Ambrose, right? There is a, a vested interest among anybody established within the party to create such a clear and obvious front runner that nobody will think to come up and challenge her, right? Yeah. Um, Peter McKay and Aaron O'Toole have announced that they are going to run or they're, they're preparing to run. You're hearing Christy Clark, but I mean, it does seem to be like the out of the, the gate favorite is Ambrose.
0: Many, many people, we had held in Christy Clark's name in the last couple of days. Um, I think it was Elise Mills, you know, conservative support. Porter strategist pundit pointed out that christy clark is likely a member of the federal liberal party you know there's no guarantee she's even an actual conservative
1: eh. i mean honestly eh. <laughs> uh, you know uh, i mean if, that,
0: that if kind of disqualifies, can, if disqualifies if can, if her can, no? not not
1: necessarily i mean look if the membership says that they that they're behind her they're behind her I mean,
0: she's not even simple. a member of the fu- i mean if she's not a member of the fucking party she's not gonna run delete it
1: i mean ralph klein used to be a federal liberal before he became a conservative premier
0: Either way, yeah, I think all these names are very valid. But I think the, the like the list should get cut off at a certain point. You know, you're hearing Rod Phillips in Ontario talk about leaving the provincial PCs to run for the federal party. That would be insane. Um, you're you're hearing, um, you know, Michael Chong's talking about running again. Just don't. Like really, the list should be a narrow one.
1: This shouldn't be a leadership race. This should actually be like an
0: appointment. (laughs) It's actually what it should be. I think you have a race between a couple people. What you need is the money, right? I mean, leadership races are a great way to raise money and excitement.
1: The risk for the conservatives right now is that they will lose control over their leadership process and that you will have some kind of absolute wing nut come up the middle. And that is my concern, especially after we just saw Boris Johnson absurdly win Uh, you know you have people like bojo winning people like trump winning it would be very easy to convince the conservative base that the answer is to double down on crazy right-wing populism
0: Yeah, I don't think there's an appetite for it, but I mean, just even having that person in the race is enough to sort of knock you on your side in a big way. Like, you can't have another Kelly Leach running this time. No. Um, You can't have a Maxine Bernier running this time. I mean, you had that big kind of ideological free-for-all and the crazy people lost. I mean, to the Conservative Party's credit, if they were going to win a race uh, where, you know, an anti-immigrant or an anti-transgender or anti-social progress candidate were going to win, it would have been the last race and they didn't. So I think that's a ringing endorsement of the modern Conservative Party. So
1: One of Us has a pretty good track record of predicting things and the other one doesn't (laughs) guaranteed that we're going to have some absolutely batshit figure come out of the people's (laughs) party of Canada we've never heard of and run up the middle there you go no but
0: but quite legitimately I mean as I understand it the directorship of the conservative party is going to have a fair bit of leeway to set the conditions on who can run Um, I you know usually the levers they've used in the past have been you know how many signatures can you get and how much money can you put up front Um, I think they actually should take a cue from the conservative party of the UK um, and and kind of set the, the standard at least for this race, that, the, that every candidate needs to have the endorsement of X number of members of the conservative caucus. Yeah, I think that that's a brilliant idea. I think that would be a really, a really wise uh, way to avoid having all of these folks kind of meander into the race and diffuse attention from who should be the actual candidate. But
1: wouldn't that require a change to the Constitution in order to do that?
0: I don't think so. But, um, I mean, the candidates that are, that are on the, the table right now, if it is Ron Ambrose, if it is Peter McKay, um, you know, maybe someone convinces James Moore that he has to do it. There, there's a couple of other names, you know, maybe Pierre Pollio. I, I think you absolutely need a Quebecer in the race. Um, and to the, to that end, uh, Gerard Deltel, I think, is the, the odds-on favourite to kind of lead the Conservative caucus in, in, in that race. Um, you know, those are all really good names. Like, that is an embarrassment of riches of very, very competent candidates from, you know, different ends of the Conservative Party with... I think some pretty good ideas on the table and you've already heard a couple of them come out and say yeah, if I ran, I'd go march in a pride parade, and I am not going to talk about abortion. In fact, I'm I'm pro-choice. Um, not that those are necessarily a litmus test for being a leader of the conservative party, but I think it does recognize that um, if you want to lead a modern party, you got to talk to modern people, and I think that is that is smart. That you already are seeing um, candidates recognize that rather than do the you know wring your hands until they're just bones and blood like Andrew Shear did.
1: For the sake of the conservative party and for democracy in Canada as a whole, I hope that. You- you're quite right. I hope it's one of these figures who emerges, who and they just install them very quickly. For the sake of democracy in Canada, I hope that this is as anti-democratic as humanly possible.
0: Even if it excludes me from running.
1: Hey, I wouldn't rule you out.
0: This episode of Oppo is also brought to you by Audible. Audible has the best audiobook performances, the largest library, and the most exclusive content curated by and for Canadians. When you start your 30-day trial with Audible, your first book is free. So, why not give a listen to Common Ground by Justin Trudeau? You can turn into this exclusive audiobook to hear the current Prime Minister talk about his life in the public eye. In the book, Justin Trudeau reveals how the events of his life have influenced him and formed the ideals that drive him today. He explores with candor and empathy the difficulty of his parents' marriage and the effect it had on a small boy and the close relationship with a father whose exacting standards were second only to his love for his sons. The book is an interesting look behind Justin Trudeau's life and maybe best of
1: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
0: Vol, well, the foreword is read by the author. Okay, let's say you don't even like Justin Trudeau. Well, you know what? The upside is that it's narrated by Colm Fiore, the noted actor who, yes, played Justin Trudeau's father in the television film Trudeau, but is also in so many other things. Of course, he was in Bun Cop, Bad Cop, everyone's favorite Quebecois film, Chronicles of Reddick. He was on 24. He was on House of Cards. There's no reason not to listen to Justin Trudeau's autobiography as narrated by Colm Fiore. And you can get that on Audible for free when you start your 30-day trial. You can learn more at audible.ca slash Canada. That's audible.ca slash C-A-N-A-D-A.
1: And now it's time for Jen Gerson's Western, and by that I mean Alberta, not necessarily Saskatchewan, or Manitoba and B.C., definitely not B.C., but maybe Saskatchewan, but we'll see. Alienation Corner!
0: I like that the name's getting longer and longer every episode.
1: So a couple of things are happening in uh, the most aggrieved corner of the country. Um, The first is that the government of Alberta debuted its energy war room known as the Canadian Energy Centre.
0: We are going to begin systematically through the Canadian Energy Centre to respond to a highly coordinated and largely foreign funded campaign to landlock Canada's responsibly produced resources.
1: The center will take a fact-based approach, counteracting myths and lies being spread about our province and about our energy sector. Where do you even begin with this one? I don't necessarily have a problem with the government of Alberta taking a really aggressive strategy to counter misconceptions or myths or just outright factual falsehoods about the oil sands. That's just basic communications to me. Any government would do that. Calling it a war room is kind of dumb frankly it's misguided it it just sort of sets you up to be on an adversarial and aggressive path against the people you actually need to win over but fine i that i don't have a problem with what's really interesting to me is the way that they've set this up because um you know when the canadian energy center was launched um the minister in charge sonia savage told reporters that it would be open for requests under the alberta's freedom of information and privacy act which means that people could. FOIP what was exactly what was going on there, as they would be able to do with any other government arm or agency. However, in a follow-up statement, the press secretary to the premier said, Nope, not the case. The CEC's internal operations are not subject to FOIP, as this would provide a tactical and or strategic advantage to the very foreign-funded special interests the CEC is looking to counter. I mean, it's almost like a Lord of the Rings-style fantasy world that they have established in their heads.
0: Alberta has always been at war with Greenpeace.
1: I mean, it's kind of amazing that the world that they live in, they think that, like, hey, if we do some FOIPs to find out exactly what you're doing with taxpayer money... You know you might be giving a strategic advantage to the foreign funded radical green pe-
0: i just it's always a pretty good sign of uh, where a government's doing bad things based yeah. on what they're not allowing you to file atips tips for that's pretty much it this is I-, I think borderline corruption like this is this is Bad. I mean, it's an abuse of taxpayer money. It's an assault, honestly, on free political speech. I mean, you can bill this as foreign funding of environmental groups all you want. But at the end of the day, it's not targeting foreign groups. It's targeting domestic groups who you allege are only making the speech they're making because they're getting foreign money, which is a fundamentally flawed premise
1: well this has been completely debunked this is the problem so they're also holding a, an entire inquiry and we talked about this on oppo before about like like almost half the funds of this inquiry are going to a law firm that happens to be have a partner who's the son of the blah 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 blah. there's all kinds of issues around that but like the whole idea that the only reason why the oil sands are being attacked is because of these foreign funded radicals is bullshit that has been totally debunked. I mean, again, we've talked about this in Oppo in the past. There, there is some legitimacy to the claim that, you know, there was some foreign money going to some... NGOs and environmental groups to help them do what they would have been doing anyway which is attacking the oil sands for reasons that are totally understandable and explicable. Um and and most of that money and most of that um whole strategy completely dried up after 2015 when the Notley government introduced its its own sustainable climate action plan, a very progressive one. Yeah. Um the the whole thing just died down shortly after that they couldn't get funding for it anymore because it's like yeah "Yeah, well you know we we came to a compromise on this that's right so like it's it's shadow boxing is all that they want to do at this
0: point it's trying to direct anger i mean like Greenpeace doesn't set the point of crude right like sure Greenpeace may have had a a role to play in the sierra club and all the others may have had a role to play in building a you know public consensus against multiple pipeline projects but also, public consensus isn't really what killed these pipeline projects. I mean, fundamentally, the price of oil did. A
1: lot of things did. But the thing that I would say also is there's nothing wrong with the government, you know, countering particular, quote unquote, attacks on the oil science if those attacks are inaccurate, wrong or misleading. Like, you know, the previous Notley government did that too. All, go- all Alberta governments have said, well, no, this isn't accurate. And if your idea of a war room is like, writing Canadian Geographic a letter spelling out what they got wrong in their story, I have no problem with that. That's an appropriate thing for the government to do, and that is not an attack on free speech.
0: You don't need a war room to do that.
1: Yeah, no, you just need a communications department. So, I mean, if if this is sort of a euphemistically named communication strategy, I really have not so much a problem with it. But the fact that they are not allowing FOIPs should be setting off huge red flags for everybody, as it is for me.
0: FOI the hell out of all of the other departments in in hopes of getting their emails that's what I, that's what I'll tell all the Alberta reporters out there
1: yeah, Treasury or something like that, right? Um, and then, of course, there have been some reports that suggest that uh, Jason Kenny's popularity is in decline. Um, this is amid campaigns by a lot of the labor groups out here to fight back against some of the cuts that are going to be taking place to nurses and doctors and healthcare uh, education, those sorts of things. So um, his cuts, predictably, are fairly unpopular. Um, the degree to which his popularity has plummeted, I think, is a matter of some dispute, depending on which polling firm you're going to pay attention to. But, I mean, it does appear to be moving the needle which I'm sure Kenny predicted, which is why he's getting all these cuts done in year one of his term.
0: Yeah, I mean, based on one of the most recent polls, he's one of the least popular premiers in the country. Also not surprising for a first-term premier who's making some pretty deep cuts. I mean, that, that kind of happens to all premiers who decide to hack and slash uh, health and education funding. I, I do suspect that, you know, it's a little too early for reports of his death. Oh, um, yeah. He has three years to start spending again and and win back his constituency. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, this is this is a blip for him and a fairly predictable one and one that I'm sure that he sort of budgeted for. I mean, but it's not just the cuts, though. It's the cuts. It's the fact that, you know, all of these aggressive moves and, and belligerent, you know, fist shaking doesn't appear to be bringing business back. Um, The economy doesn't appear to be improving. Oh, who could have who foreseen, could have foreseen that? that? Literally
0: everybody. Whom's could have Predicted that yelling at the economy doesn't make it better. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then also, you know, you get this weird corrupt shit that people got so sick of with the old PCs because, of course, it's all the same old boys around Jason Kenny is used to be around the old PC guys so you know you have firing of the elections commissioner and you have you know dodgy inquiry contracts going to friends of the government and then you have weird stuff with the Canadian Energy Center and like what are you doing what exactly are you doing do we actually trust yeah. you to do any of this stuff you've got oh then this one was really fun sort of sort of redirecting pension funds teacher pension funds into potentially oil and gas industry players who um, aren't going to give them the best return on their on their retirement funds I mean like There's all kinds of just creepy, dodgy stuff going on behind the scenes that people are are trying to cover up with saber rattling, and I I think that it's not a good look.
0: New boss, same as the old boss.
1: This holiday season, why not be a little more generous to your future self? Wealth Bar makes great investing ridiculously easy. Open an RRSP or TFSA online, then sit back and watch your money grow. Seriously, you don't even have to change out of your festive jammies. This is one less thing that you'll have to shop for this season. With ETF portfolios and exclusive investments that were once available only to millionaires, Wealthbar will pair you with the portfolio that will put you on track for your future goals. With demonstrated performance, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Literally. Wealthbar manages and balances your portfolio for you, so your money stays on track effortlessly. And with fees that are less than half the cost of traditional investments, your money grows faster with Wealthbar. Contribute to your WealthBar RRSP before the February 29th deadline and you'll also be gifting yourself a bigger tax return. Right now, WealthBar has a special offer for Opa listeners. Open an online account and get $100 towards growing your money. Start investing online in minutes at wealthbar.com/canadaland.
0: And now, for a new segment, I'd like to introduce to Oppo the East Coast Alienation Corner, where I announce that I'm alienated from federal politics, and as such, I'm resigning from Oppo. <laughs>
1: da, da, da.
0: The big resignation news of this week is not Andrew Shearer's departure from the Conservative Party, but in fact, that I will not be returning to Oppo in the new year. So, cue the waterworks now.
1: I'm actually quite upset about this, Justin. That's fair. I mean, I thought that when we started Oppo that it was really going to be about us hating each other, but over time, I've come to like you.
0: It turns out the real Oppo were the friends we made along the way.
1: (laughs) So, Justin, explain to us and our audience a little bit about why you're abandoning me to the masses.
0: It really goes down to the fact that I think I hate politics now. And I, I I mean that quite genuinely. Oppo broke you is what you're telling me. Uh, it, it helped. Actually, Oppo is maybe one of the better outlets for my total frustration. You know, people have remarked on the show before that uh, it sounds like we don't like what we cover. And I, I think with you, that's only half true. With me, it's increasingly 100% true. I'm increasingly turned off by the rat race, by, you know, politics as sport, which we've talked about before. Parliament hill being an entertainment arena as opposed to a place where, you know, important things are supposed to get done. And it's bumming me out in such a way that I don't know that I want to be in it anymore.
1: It's funny, because I came to this from the totally the opposite point of view is that, you know, you know I came into journalism very much as a general assignment reporter, I did not have a specialization for many, many, many years. And, you know, then I happened to get a job at the National Post in 2012 in Alberta. And Alberta, by the way, at that point was like an absolute death zone for politics. It was not the place you went to for any kind of political journalism career. But in 2012, all of that changed because I got started my job at the National Post just as Alison Redford was elected. And then everything in this province got fucking wild. And I just got sucked into the political vortex and really found myself um, cottoning onto it and liking it and not expecting that to have happened at all. I, I never imagined myself to be a particularly political animal and, and now I'm a bit of a an addict, I guess. It's interesting because it, you know, it, you can kind of go one way or the other. You can either sort of just embrace it for its absurdity and its brilliant manic nuts oness and just roll with it if you don't have any expectations for politics, it can never really disappoint you. That's so funny.
0: I sat down with, uh, who is uh, the new MP for none of it, whose name I actually learned how to pronounce properly. Thanks to her. And she said the exact same thing. I kind of said, you know, I've spoken to MPs over the years who have come to parliament and have like eaten it up. And they, they love this. They love the cut and thrust. They love the heckling. This is, this is, you know, their life's goal. And I've spoken to other MPs who said that after their first day on the job, they went to the bathroom and cried <laughs> because it was one of the worst thing they've ever experienced. And I, I asked her I'm like you know what was your reaction you've been here for exactly a week now Um, how have you dealt with it and she kind of said I don't Uh, when you come here with no expectations, you can't be disappointed. And and that actually hit me too. I'm like, that sucks. Like, that blows.
1: But you know what? I actually kind of feel the same way about life in journalism, and that's just kind of philosophically where I'm at. Now we're just in
0: denialism.
1: (laughs) It's a little bit closer to Buddhism as well. Like, I see a lot of people coming into, for example, journalism, thinking like, I'm going to be a journalist and I'm going to change the world with my work. And then they, they realize, you know, five years later that they've spent the last, almost all of their 20s slogging it out on the cop desk or covering courts and the job is not this world-changing vehicle for activism that they thought it was going to be and they wind up getting horrendously burnt out and disillusioned where my philosophy on this has always been you have to love the work for the sake of the work and not worry about, you know, the, the, the bigger picture, not worry so much about whether or not it's changing the world or not. Just do what you were put on this earth to do because you love it. And if you don't love the work in and of itself, then my God, get the fuck out. Like, go do something else with your life.
0: So you're totally right. So, you know, I, I arrived on Parliament Hill, you know, a fresh-faced, somewhat fresh-faced, somewhat already grizzled reporter in, you know, 2012, you know, in the in the heyday of the Harper majority. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been on Parliament Hill, either full-time or part-time, you know, ever since then. This is now my third parliament. Um, And it is getting worse. Like, first off, it's getting worse. You know, the the amount of, you know, thoughtful... Not even debate, because the House of Commons has always been a bit of a mess. But the amount of like thoughtful scrutiny and work that goes into bills and into major issues, I think we're losing it. You know, and I think the coverage has gotten worse with declining newsrooms and all this. I I think the atmosphere on the Hill is is worse than it was even in the Harbour era. I I don't think there's actually um, you know a thoughtful, reasoned, at least conversation about important issues in the way there was before. And and in the last little while, I've taken kind of the Mary Condo approach to journalism. It's you know, is the This bringing me joy slash is this helping? And you, we had Jeff Beal on the show a couple weeks ago, and you heard me say to him a couple times, you know, I think you're actively hurting democracy, and it it did kind of force me to look back and kind of go, well, wait, am I helping?
1: You are leaving the show with all good blessings and love and just so our audience knows we will be bringing in some some other person some other people you'll see in a couple of weeks and we're gonna hope that it works out
0: they'll never replace me
1: they'll never replace you but we'll do our (laughs) best um actually we've got people who are way better than justin don't even worry about it um no
0: i'm gonna hide in the rafters and make ghost noises as they're trying to record the show
1: justin what what are you gonna do next because if you if you go and start like a politics show with the cbc i'm gonna be fucking pissed (laughs) i'm gonna be, (laughs) gonna be angry
0: no, I'm gonna go off and do some other stuff. Like I, I, I decided I'm gonna try to make, take a little, like maybe a half step back from kind of the day-to-day politics and just, you know, see if I can do, you know, commit more time to investigative stuff and and see if I can kind of move the needle in a different way. Um, and if it means me not having to, you know, follow the TikTok of the Conservative Party leadership race then uh, you know what? could be worse.
1: Meanwhile, I think this Conservative leadership party race is going to be hilariously interesting. Um, And I cannot wait for it.
0: I'm going to watch it from uh, maybe a a sane distance.
1: That's fair. And also, maybe it's a little bit easier for me being in Calgary because everything in my life is not consumed by politics
0: yeah and i'm still obsessed with journalism like i still i have a book i have to finish i'm working on a documentary series yeah you really got to get on that book buddy it's coming along and if my agent's listening it's almost done i swear to god
1: yeah how many deadlines have you missed be honest
0: all of them oh, fuck <laughs> sakes, <Justin>. <laughs> <Fuck's> <laughs> sakes. it'll be out in september look for it then
1: all right on your way out Here's what I would like to do, Justin. I would like to do this for you. No. The road is long. Thank you.
0: <laughs> can I re-gift with this many to somebody?
1: A winding turns. I'd like to be excluded from this narrative. Who knows where? Who knows? Can I where? can I quit
0: before the the credits up? But
1: I am strong, <laughs> strong enough to carry him. Yeah.
0: Go go can we go straight to, the, yeah. straight to the bridge
1: heavy He is my brother uh,
0: okay that's it great cool song over that was the whole song
1: Well that's it for Oppo this year We will be back in January Slightly new people, slightly new format We hope that you stay with us And in the meantime please tell us what you think We do love hearing from you
0: Email all your tributes to me at oppo at canadalandshow.com Or tweet at us at oppocast I'd also like to uh, Shout out uh, the big guy himself Justin Trudeau who was too afraid to come on the show Before I left Uh, You know what, total chicken
1: Chicken But it sounds like uh, Christian Freeland is now our Prime Minister anyway So fuck it Christy Freeland, come on our show in uh, in January. You'll love it. Go like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like us, rate us and leave a review. We may even read them out on air. From Mitchell Fleming. Hey, bye eyes. Hey, bye eyes. As a young liberal Nova Newfoundlander studying at a left-leaning law school in Quebec, soon to work a job on Pay Street with friends and family working in the sands out west, I just wanted to say that your objectivity and sensibility provides well-needed assurance that there can exist meaningful and thoughtful political conversation as I wade through the polarized existence that is my academic and professional life. (sighs) Yours, truly, truly, the Highlander. Thanks, Mitchell.
0: This episode was produced by Laura Howells and David Crosby. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. The theme music was by Nathan Burley. And finally, I have the last word this week. And that word is goodbye.
1: It feels, Justin. I'm going to miss you. He's my brother. Uh, Okay.